This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. This Irish man stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you're having a wonderful, relaxing Saturday, the first Saturday of June. Man, this I don't know about you, but this year is flying for me. It's like month after month after month. and I, I already hear people, and I'm not mentioning this, but... A few people over here are already starting to use the C word. Um, it's only 200 and something days away from C. And I'm, you all know what that C word is. I'm I'm not going there. Um, I'm more focused on it's actually nice weather in Ireland. Um, Ireland is one of these countries, you know, you got to feel sorry for the poor kids. Um, you know, it's, it's crap weather 85% of the time. But when kids have exams around the start of June, there's one thing you can pretty much be guaranteed in Ireland. They're doing their exams, looking out a window going, I can't believe I'm missing the nice days of sunshine Ireland gets. It's lovely. We've had a heat wave. And just to put this into context, because people, you know, always ask me, what's the difference between Ireland and America and different things and in the weather? When Ireland experiences a heat wave, it's about 75 degrees. So maybe 80. That's our heat wave. Um, so that's a huge difference. So it's it's just incredible. It's, it's actually great weather. And the one thing I don't know, I always find is when the weather's good, people are automatically happier. They're just, there's they're smiles on their faces. It's time to get ice cream. Just, it's just a nice time of year. So today's show, um, is actually going to be honest. This is going to be a continuation on last week's show because I wasn't joking last week when I said, and um, a few people messaged me going, yeah, I'd never listened to a 10 hour podcast. Uh, and, and I get that. Um, and I had a lot of notes and a lot of things I wanted to get through to you um, to talk to you about. I had stuff I wanted to talk to you about last week and um, the sound of our times. But today I want to have, I want to focus in what I, on what I really wanted to speak to you about last week and where I see this show going and what I want to talk about. But before I can do that, I want to talk to you about America right now, today, and how I see things. And you might agree, you might disagree, but I just want to give you how I see America right now. Because anytime you have an addiction problem, whether if you know people or um, or you've unfortunately had people in your family who are alcoholics or gamblers or drug, people who have experimented with drugs and they go to uh, like Alcoholics Anonymous, AA, the first step you got to do is you got to admit you have a problem. So I'm going to spend the first segment of this show kind of focusing in on how I see things, admitting where we do have problems. and then. 
as the show progresses, I want to lay out where I want this show to go, um, what I think is going to be handy for you, and how I see America surviving and, and it, your journey going forward. And I'm going to give some advice, some feedback. You can take it, you can leave it. So what are the problems in society today? Let's be honest with, with ourselves about America. First off, and these are in no um, order. They're not like number one is the most important. I just kind of wrote down some notes. And they can, they'll rank in different priorities for each of them. So looking around at society today, and this is America, this is in Europe, this is in Asia, this isn't just a, an American problem, this is a worldwide problem. The first thing we have to admit is we do live in a world where we really don't respect different opinions. You know, I love the, the, the left, quote-unquote, in America going, we're so tolerant, we'll accept anybody. I love the, the GOP. Well, you know, we need to have a big tent, job. The truth of that is, it's bullcrap. They only will tolerate people, and they will only want you in that big tent if you subscribe to their norms. The only one set of people who I know who truly believe in tolerance and, and diversity is usually, quote-unquote, the old traditional conservatives. You know, those nasty, evil right-wingers. Because generally, they'll look, you, don't, you can do things in your life, you're free to do them. I don't agree with them, but I'm not going to try and stop you. You know, it's not usually the right-wingers, quote-unquote, in America who are the ones going to government and go, hey, I don't like that, now stop it. Let's write a law or a legislation or a regulation to stop it. I don't like what they do. That's the left. We're generally the type of people going, hey, you know, I'm, I'm not going to agree with you, I'm not going to endorse you, but hey, I believe in freedom. We really don't have a respect for different opinions. You know, one of the things... And this is spreading. One of the things I often get criticized for, and, and by some people on the right as well, is I'll sit down and talk to anyone. I would sit down and I'll use famous people um, because everyone then knows who we're talking about. I have no problem admitting I would sit down with Bernie Sanders and have a chat with him. I actually would love to sit down with Bernie Sanders because... As someone who grew up in a socialist country and has lived socialism, I can tell you how crap it is, how really, really bad it is. And I would love to sit down and go, hey, you know, Bernie, you know all these things you're talking about? Hey, I can give you real-life examples. Not just a moral argument, but I can give you real-life examples of how they don't work. I can have a chat with him. George Clooney. All these liberal big government, you know, famous people. I had no problems. I'd sit down with him. I honestly don't think I would change their minds. But I have no problem sitting down with them and having a chat, whether it would be a general chat and just being nice and polite to them or a chat about actual substance and policies. I would sit down with Angelina Jolie and discuss the UN and how I think it's a disaster and how, quite honestly, I would support its total abolishment.
Um, I don't expect her to have see my the world the way I see it, and I don't think she'd expect me to see the way the world the way she sees it. But I could sit down with them. Could you? We need to respect and appreciate different opinions. And the one reason I always believe this is because one, I tend to not view, I judge people on their actions, but I don't judge them entirely based on their political beliefs. I do believe it's possible for you to be a good person and a socialist. It's just you've never seen another another alternative. There's a chance you've never seen there is another way of doing things. Am I going to hang around with you? And am, am I going to say how great your political beliefs are? No, but I think you can have a good heart. You're misguided in your political leanings, in my opinion. But that doesn't mean you're a bad person. Second problem I see. And this is... If you're not a religious person, I don't know if you're going to see this as a problem. You're probably not. But we are a culture today that really have our focuses on the wrong things. We really do have our focus on earthly material goods. It's all about, hey, you know, look at that house I have. I have six bedrooms and seven bathrooms and I have a swimming pool outside and just around this corner I have a squash court and I have this and oh my god do you, do you see my five cars outside now I'm not saying wealth is a bad thing I'm all for it but if that's what's important to you I think we need to have a discussion also, when it comes to, as someone who was a, in my prior career was a sales and business manager, I get how important sales are. But you're becoming a culture that is all about your bottom line. It's all about, hey, how much, how much sales did you make last month? Hey, guess what? I had a great quarter last quarter. I sold 100,000 euros or dollars worth of product. It's never, hey, I, I, I gave this guy great customer service or I went to this person and I helped them out with a problem or I got this really cool customer here. They're really good. They're going to change the future. No, it's all about money. It's all about how much money we make or how our share price is doing if you work for a public company or how many units we sold. And this has gone into our politics. It's all about winning. <gasps> It's all about winning elections, right? It's nothing else. It's not about principles. It's about winning elections. Loyalty. Look who asks for your loyalty today. You even have it in your politics. I'm going to talk about society and politics. I'm going to drift between the two. Loyalty. This election... You had a loyalty pledge. It was one of the one of the debates. I think it was one of the first questions. You know, all on stage. Would you, you know, whether you win or lose, would you guarantee to support the GOP nominee? Look who demands your loyalty today. We have people demanding our loyalty. We have friends demanding our loyalty. We have businesses demanding our loyalty. 
with political parties, politicians. Yet we never talk about loyalty to principles. If you talk about loyalty to principles, oh my God, John, did you just say principles? You must be a purist ideologue. But to go along with a person who's flawed, mm, yeah, that's totally okay to be loyal to them. But to be loyal to principles which are eternal, which worked in 1776, 2016, and some of the principles, I think, most of them, will work in 3016. If you dare say, yeah, I'm loyal to the Bible, because the Bible has stood the test of time, you're a Bible thumper. Yeah. Getting behind, hey, no matter whether I win or lose, I put my hand up and I pledge my allegiance to support the GOP nominee. That's totally fine. And if you dare say, no, I'm going to see how it goes. <gasps> oh my God, you disloyal. You are hurting the party. Why do we push such loyalty into human things? What other problems have we got in society today? Well, how I'm gonna it's I couldn't bring this up. I couldn't do this podcast without talking about what got me this podcast. Class. We are breaking our society up into different different chunks. Look at how we divide ourselves. It seems, and I'm going to focus really heavily on America here for a minute. America was founded. Read the Declaration of Independence. It's right there at the top. We believe all are created equal. That's not a little line down the bottom of the Declaration of Independence. That isn't a little, you know, a little amendment to the Constitution. Or it's, shh, we, we, we believe this, but we won't say it. Shh, all are created equal. No, it's right up there at the top. All men are created equal. Yet today, how many actually really believe that? It, is it just a bumper sticker? Yeah, of course, I believe in equality. I believe everyone's equal. But you see that? He's in the lower class. He's the poor person. And I'm in the middle class because I'm just average. And then that guy there, that guy is rich. He, he earns a quarter of a million dollars. He's one of those millionaires and billionaires. But we don't just divide ourselves on class. We divide ourselves in everything. Gender, race, age. Look at all this. Even this simple. Oh, I'm a... I'm a Generation X. I'm a baby boomer. I'm a Generation Y. I'm cool and I'm hip. We divide ourselves on location. Well, here I'm a city slicker. I'm in New York. I live in Manhattan. I'm a stockbroker. I am just so much better than those folks. You know, those people down in Texas, you know, those rednecks, those hicks. Look how different and divided we are. And we're creating new classes. We have classes in society now. 
the new classes I think are going to come is two of them. One, we have a victim class. They go around thinking, oh, I have to be offended today. What can I moan about? What can what can I look at on the internet that I just am so upset about? We have the, the hashtag class. Oh, I'm going to be an activist. I'm going to change the world. Oh, I don't like that. Or I like that. Ooh, hashtag, I'm cool. But we have a bigger class, a new class that's going to come out. I could be wrong on this. It's one of my predictions. You're going to have an education class. Education in America today, sorry, let me be more specific, third level education in America today. You can get into any college. Everything is self-funded. Hey, free, free, free student loans. And if you can't pay it back, don't worry. The good old taxpayer will. There is no reason that you shouldn't go to college today in the eyes of the left. If you happen to go and say, I'm leaving school, college isn't for me, I don't know, I want to be a truck driver. I want to follow in my father's footsteps because he followed in his father's footsteps and I just really like traveling. <gasps> you must be dumb. You must be really stupid. You see, I have this shirt. It's in this really cool frame and I've got letters after my name. I'm an MBA. I have a master's in business. I graduated from some community college or whatever. You don't have anything? Wow. Education, third level education is so free and easy to get. I guess you just couldn't get in, huh? We're going to start looking down on people who don't have degrees. Now, you have a choice. Do you want to keep going down this road? And dividing yourselves? Or do you want to, I don't know, go back to your beliefs and say, hey, we are really all created equal? I gotta take a quick break, America. I'll be right back with my list of problems. But don't worry, don't despair. I do have some solutions. Don't go anywhere, America. I'll be right back. You're listening to Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on demand. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. As always, I am on Twitter at Freedom Disciple or on Facebook um, at Freedom's Disciple. Um, give me a comment. Give me a message. I love interacting with you as much as, uh, as I can. I will admit I am a bit behind on answering people and, and, and inter interacting with you. It's been a crazy few weeks. Um, I was on vacation and 
then as always, when you come back from vacation, um, it's like, hey, I know you're away for a couple of weeks, but we have all this work that you, you missed while you're away. And it's just been incredibly busy the last couple of weeks. So if I haven't answered you yet, I'll get to you. Um, I've not been ignorant or forgetting about you. It's just purely a timing issue. So what else are the problems? And I'm going to talk about some of the bigger problems that I see, and including one you're not going to like to hear. Some of the ones you're not going to like hearing about are churches. I'm trying not to go overly negative because I'm trying to become more positive. But the truth is, the majority of our churches are a joke. I'm not trying to judge you or demean you. I'm just trying to be factual. I spoke in the first segment about earthly things. Which do your church, which do you think your church cares more about? It's tithe or sharing the message? How many priests do you know that would get up, go to the pulpit, and say something that was true, that was godly, that was principled, even if they knew everyone in their church would walk out. How many people do you know who do that? But I know the arguments. But John, if, if everyone walks out, I, I can't talk to them ever again. They'll never get to hear next week's message. So we go silent. But John, if I annoy people they, and they don't pay their tithe, it limits the good works of the church. And eventually you go silent. Now that might be, I'm not going to, that's up to God and for you who go to your churches to decide, but you could maybe get away with that. 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago, 100 years ago. But today, the world we live in, if our churches go silent, where are we to find our morals? When churches go silent, you have a society like today. Which brings me to my next point. Where do morals come from in society? Do they come from churches? Do they come from parents? Or do they come from society? Well, society says it's okay, so I'm going to do it. Do they come from Hollywood? Well, I saw it in some movie, so it's, it's all right, okay, yeah? It's okay, it's all good? We're square? Well, I, I, I saw it on Netflix. That's okay, right? Is there any eternal truths? Or worse, I saw my politician do it. My politician, they lied and they lied and they lied 
They were a scumbag. They kept getting re-elected, so it's okay, right? It's all part of the big plan, the big lie. Just keep telling the lie often enough. People either forget or accept it. Remember the big famous one? I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. Mm, turns out you did. Yeah, we just all forgot, right? Now, after you ask yourself, where do morals come from in society? How about asking yourself, where should they come from? Government. You know, one question I'd love, and I would never do this, but it would be kind of cool, is if you could get all the politicians. Now, again, I'm not suggesting this is something I would do. It isn't because it's unethical. But if we, you know, we could act like a politician and just move ethics to the side for a minute. If you could sit all the politicians down in a room and have a big bowl of truth serum and just give it all to them and go, okay, now you're telling the truth. You can't lie to me. Can you tell me when a government hits a point that it's enough? At what point does government stop getting involved in your life? Now ask yourself and just think, play that out. Play that out in your head. How many on both sides, by the way, this is not just those evil left people, you know, those progressives, those liberals, those Democrats. Line up your GOP people as well. You know, the Mitch McConnells, the Paul Ryans of this world and go, hey, when do you say no? And actually, the question I would probably ask Mitch McConnell and, and Paul Ryan and John Boehner and Kevin McCarthy and Mitt Romney is, at what point do you say enough and all of a sudden actually fight? I don't mean, hey, I'm going to say I'm going to fight and I'm going to huff and I'm going to puff. I don't want you to huff and puff and beat your chest. I actually want you to fight. At what point does that happen? Play that conversation out in your head. But we live in a society where government is in everything. Can you name me one thing you can do right now that government has zero role in? Well, I want to go down and buy an ice cream. Mm -hmm. Government approved car. Government rules on the road, government rules on food trucks and all the products that they buy. Well, I want to go to bed and have a sleep. Uh huh. Government rules in house, government rules on your bed, government rules on your mattress, government involved in commerce. Well, I want to bring my girl, I'm using it because I'm a man, my girlfriend out to the movies. Mm hmm. Government car, government rules on the road, government buildings, and then approval from Hollywood to make the movie. And they put the age limit on it. Hey, if you're under 13, you can't see this. Government's everywhere. But how many of us accept that government is everywhere?
Government today is involved in everything from abortion to education. And by the way, they don't just stop at education. They don't go, hey, we need everyone to have an education. And you think that's where you'd stop, right? No, no, they're involved in school lunches and, hey, you can't have a bag of sweets. You, 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 you kid, you cannot have your peanut butter and jelly sandwich. No, you're going to replace that peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Hey, here's a stick of carrots. Enjoy. They're involved in wage rates. <gasps> What's a minimum wage? Because we're for the little guy, right? They're involved in banks and money and industry and marriage and healthcare and in debt. And not only are they involved in every aspect of your life, while they tell you what to do at one hand, the other hand is always out there going, ha, 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 come on, pay me some money. Come on, give me some money. Whether it's an income tax, a sales tax, a debt tax, a fine if you don't get the insurance I think you should get. Government's always there. Come on, pay me. Come on, you got to pay people. It's amazing. And they're the one that's going to annoy pretty much everyone who listens to this show. I'm going to be honest before I say this. Because when I do my show, I do show, I do show prep. And I, I find it really hard and I can't read. I can't just, you know, write a big monologue and read it word for word. I, I, I struggle. I write bullet points. I want to talk about this and then I expand on them. Well, this bullet point, I would say I wrote about 25 times. I wrote it, delete it. Wrote it a different way, delete it. Wrote it a different way, delete it. And I'm just going to be honest with you. The Constitution has lost this battle. We need to accept the truth. We need to admit our problems. The Constitution has lost this battle. But we also need to understand why the Constitution has lost this battle. Is it true to years, actually not years, decades of government expansion? Yep. It sure is. Is it due to nine lovely people who happen to wear black robes and sit on a bench and think they are better than everyone else and now think they can legislate? Mm-hmm. It sure is. Is it by years of people on both parties sitting in the White House going, hey, I can do what I want? I know we love saying on this show and on the right, hey, I'm Barack Obama, I got a pen and I got a phone. But you think he's the first president to ignore the Constitution? He's just the latest. But it goes a lot deeper. How can we expect the Constitution to live when our own, your own people 
don't understand what's in it. How many of your fellow citizens, forget naming them, can tell me how many rights are in the First Amendment? I don't want you to name them. I just want to tell you to tell me, hey, John, there's three rights in the First Amendment. There's not. You'd be wrong. Hey, there's four rights in the, Constitution, the First Amendment. No. There's seven. There's eight. There's nine. No, there's one. It's the First Amendment. There's one right in it, right? No. I don't want you to name them. I just want you to tell me how many rights is in the First Amendment. How many people can tell you what amendment the Constitution the NSA violates on a daily basis? Or how about arguably the most important amendment there is from an American point of view? How many people can tell me, and I don't mean politicians or, you know, people around political campaigns, I mean people, average American everyday citizens can tell me what the Tenth Amendment means and its intent. You know, James Madison once defined when he spoke about the Constitution and the powers delegated by the Constitution, when he said, the federal government are few and defined. They would be principally exercised on external objects such as war, peace, negotiation, and foreign, foreign commerce. Those which are to remain in the state governments are numerous and infinite. The powers of the states will extend to all objects which in the ordinary course of affairs concern the lives and liberties and properties of the people, the internal order, the improvement, and the prosperity of the state. Many people know that. Let me go one step further. How many people actually know America is not really a country? It is a set of United States who came together for the common good. How many people can tell me how many amendments there are in the Bill of Rights? I'll take either answer. The number there originally was or the number there is right now because they reduced it down. How many people actually know it was reduced down? How many people can tell me how many amendments there are in the Constitution right now? And then you get to this question. How many of us really care? How many of us really care? That is a question I dare you to ask yourself when you're in a good, healthy mental space. I asked myself this question about three weeks ago when I wasn't in such a good mental space and it didn't end very well. <laughs> How many of us really care? How many people can talk about how many branches of government they are. I'm not even talking about naming them. How many levels of government and branches of government are there? And what is the difference? Don't name them, just tell me how many. How many people 
I'm going to leave this segment with this. How many people know the oath that a president or their local politician takes every time they're sworn in? And for those in the House, it's every two years. You take your oath, your pledge, put your hand on the Bible, or whatever you decide to put your hand on, and you say certain words. How many people know that? And how many people hold their politician to that standard? It's a scary thought. Now, those who are listening and are really kind of worried what is coming next, I want to be crystal clear. The Constitution's not dead. The Constitution's not over. It's just we have to understand it's lost this battle. Now that I've told you some of the problems, I'm going to get to some solutions right after this break. I'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. I've brought you to the depths of despair. Now it's time for me to lift you up and give you your life raft. I'll be right back, America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss Pat and Stu. That dangerous weapon right there. Can you believe it says bubbles on it? Still though. <laughs> still though. It looks scary, doesn't it? Still it's plastic though. and still if one of those bubbles, bubbles shoots out too fast. What if it ha- hit you right Right, in the eye, that's what I'm saying. Your eye would get wet. And you know what happens then. <laughs> yes. You have to dry it. Pat and Stu. Weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. With Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. So now, as promised, the solutions and where I would like to take this show going forward. And hopefully this all... The reason I'm doing this is, one, because I believe in open and honesty. Um, Telling you what I want to do. And I I, I very much am an open book, but also to make you think and see where you want to go. Before I get to the solutions, there is one more problem I want to discuss with you because it leads into one of the first solutions. And it's regarding hope. What do you place your hope in? I see so many people today putting their hope in a person. I see so many people putting their hope in an election result. I saw it on all sides, you know, pretty much any candidate running for the GOP this election. They're they're gonna help us. They're gonna be they're gonna be the one. What do you put your hope in? This is my opinion. But if you place your hope in a political outcome, you might be putting your hope in the wrong thing. And also, I would strongly say to you, prepare to be disappointed. 
So what are the solutions to today? Now these are going to be different. The reason I didn't, before I get to the solutions, the reason I didn't put these in an order, saying this is the most important and this and this and this, is because it's not a generic list. What's important to me, where I am right now, will be different to what's important to each and every one of you. But for me, my hope comes from God. My hope comes from principles. Speaking about America, my hope comes from the Constitution. We need to have our hope in the right place. We need to unite under God. Now this might sound crazy because we're, if you're religious in America today and if you're a Christian, you come under attack from everyone. But I am one of those, you know, radical, extreme ideologues who happens to believe America is a covenant nation. You want a solution? If you only want one solution to America, and you can only do one, I suggest you act like it depends on you, and you pray like it depends on God, and return to being that covenant nation. That will go a long way. You know, it's funny, I before um, I recorded this show, I was reading scriptures, and I have a, a missile. And I have my Bible, which I read um, from time to time. It's a continuous Bible, but I have a missile, which is a collection of readings. And then uh, it has like a reading and a few verses from Psalm and a part of um, the gospel. And I was reading it today, and it's ironic. And the, the story of Samuel was in it. And I was reading been reading the story of Samuel the last three days, but the story today was where the people demand the king. And they have a dream and God says, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting me. You want to change America? Start embracing God. If you don't believe in God, start embracing his principles. Because here's the great thing when you're a Christian and you truly believe. God is hope. And the reason God is hope is because, quite simply put in language that it has no spin, no hype, just plain out fact. There is no limit to his power and his majesty. There is nothing he can't do. You can take the most complex problem that humans cannot solve. And he can solve it by clicking his fingers. When you have someone that powerful on your side, there is always, always hope. What are the other solutions? Well, you're not going to like this one. Or if you don't dislike it, you're going to find it very hard to do. 
you need to put politics in its place. Albert Einstein once described insanity as doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Look at how much time you spend on politics. Look how much time you spend. Look how much money people spend on just getting someone into the White House. Look at how much time is spent on getting people elected so that a certain party has control of Congress. Imagine you just took a fraction of that and put it into doing more good. Because here's the thing. Again, another saying. Margaret Thatcher said decades ago, first you win the argument, then you win the elections. Well, when was the last time the people on our side won an election? Well, if winning an election is all that's important to you, then you should be happy. The GOP won the Senate in 2014. I've had the House since 2010. In the last 16 years, the GOP has had the White House eight of those years. The last 16 years, the House has been under GOP control. Watch. Four of those years, 2006 to 2010. Sorry, not in the GOP control. In It's been in, what's that, 12 of the 16 years? How long have you had the Senate for? If winning elections is all that matters, then maybe that points to why you have a problem, because you've won elections. And yet the country is still in problems. The country still has major issues. The reason I bring up Margaret Thatcher's quote is because where I'm going to focus on, there are plenty of other people who are better, who are more articulated, and quite honestly, care more than I do to help you win elections. There are plenty of people. I can tell you thousands of people. Maybe not thousands, but you get my point. Who focus on winning elections. How many people focus on winning the argument? That is what I'm going to try and do. Because I, yet again, am one of those ideologues who I believe there are certain principles that are eternal. They were true in 1776. They were true in 1900. They're true today. And they will be true tomorrow and a hundred years or a thousand years from now. And I am going to try and lay out the case to back up those principles so that you have the evidence, if you like all of what I say or some of what I say, that you can share it with your friends and your family. What eternal principles am, am I talking about? Well, to name a few, we are all created equal. We don't belong to a class system. We are not a piece of meat that you cut up in a thousand different pieces. Well, this part is the middle class, and this part is the rich, and this part is the male, and this part is the female, and this is the straight, and the gay, and the transgendered. No, we are all one. 
I am going to fight for eternal principles, that you are the best decider of your future. You don't need a government to do it. I am going to fight for eternal principles that says, let's do everything in our power to ensure you have opportunity. The difference of America is your innovation. Just look at all the innovation you've done. Now, why is that? Is it because of where you're situated? Is it because of just luck? Oh, look, we happen to innovate. Or is it because you are the only nation who have unleashed the Europe energy and your individual genius that has never been seen before and has never been seen today? And hopefully, I am wrong, but is doubtful to be seen in the future. Look at all the advancements America is responsible for that we all just take for granted. Like suspension bridges, cars, the internet, the teleprompter, encryption. I want to read you something. I got a, a message the other day from my girlfriend. And I was giving her stuff to read. I was writing something over the weekend about America and your history and why you're great. And she read that she was telling me she uh, she lives in the Midwest. And she's seeing a movement where people are saying, you know, I, I think it was a girl, I can't remember where she was. But this hat, she wore this hat to like Target. She was an employee. America was never great. And she's seeing these hats pop up. And she said to me, Why, what makes us great? Just tell me from an outsider. And I tried to, I thought about it for a while. And I want to read just one part of what I said to her. I want you to close your eyes for a minute. And imagine a world without America. What would it look like? Now, I know left and right want to tell you America sucks. I know there are people on the left and on the far right, the Libertarian Party, and I'll get to them in a minute, who want to tell you America sucks and all these wars and all this interventionist and all this crap, that America sucks. But imagine a world without America. There would be no American dream. There would be not as much innovation. Things we just take for granted. Anesthetic. That was a huge, huge advancement. Refrigeration. Huge, huge advantage. And now I want to quote what I said to her. Now let me make it real for you. Without America, we would not be dating. I don't mean that I'm Irish and you're American and if America didn't exist, you wouldn't exist. No, I mean the innovation. Without America and all the technology you have helped advance, create and innovate, there's a chance 
I would not have the knowledge to be able to do what I do right now. I would not be able to do this show. I would not be able to speak out because I wouldn't have the technology. I wouldn't have the knowledge. It's actually highly doubtful I would have ever visited America. You know, you want to talk about how innovation has happened? When I grew up, the first time I went to America, going from Ireland to England was a big deal, let alone going to America. I was one of the fortunate ones. That's innovation. But if there was no America, maybe I would never have visited. We wouldn't be able to talk as we do. We talk a lot on Skype and message each other. We wouldn't be able to talk and text. And because I don't have I wouldn't have the knowledge and I wouldn't have the platform I have and I wouldn't have I don't have the passions because of America, the chances are I wouldn't have a dream of becoming an American one day. That is all because of America. Now that's my reel with between me and my girlfriend. You think about all that you have innovated that affects your life. If you are thinking, oh, John's just spitballing here, do yourself a favor over the weekend. Just go to Wikipedia. You know that source that's not really reliable? But just go to Wikipedia, just simple. And just put in, I don't know, American innovations in the last 200 years. You get, I don't know, I haven't done this. Maybe I should have done it before. I actually said for you to do it, put a, go to Google if it doesn't work on Wikipedia. But just look at all the innovations. The innovations that we take for granted. I'll leave you with one last thing about America and how much our society has changed. I am a big baseball fan. Yes, I'm a Yankees fan. Get over it. I say that with all love and respect, of course. But when I started years ago, years and years and years ago, MLB TV came out and we got it. And I'd watch it with a few friends of mine and you would argue over balls and strikes. But the picture wasn't great. It was kind of, you were, you were guessing half of the time. Now, you can, it's clear when it's a ball, when it's a strike. Even if it isn't, it's amazing. I can tell when it's a ball and a strike and I'm 6,000 miles away. Sometimes the umpire, who's like two inches away, can't. But that, don't get me started on that. But now I can look at it from different angles. I think I don't watch it too much because I only tend to watch the Yankees when I can. And that's not very much at the minute. But I think I can watch like three games at once or four games at once. I can like split screen and stuff. I can have all the stats so I can watch the game on my iPad in the corner and I can have like the ball game and it like gives you the trajectory of the pitch, the miles and error of the pitch, the break of the pitch. Incredible information at your fingertips. That's in 10 years. That's innovation. America is a big part of that. I got to take a quick break, America. I'll be right back with some more solutions I want to talk to you about. Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on demand. The Blaze Radio Network. 
Don't miss the morning blaze with Doc and Skip. Here's one that is particularly disturbing out of D.C. U.S. military uses 8-inch floppy disks to coordinate nuclear force operations. They're still on floppy, Skip. They haven't even moved to CDs. They're not one step behind technology. They're like six steps yeah, behind. Yeah, by the way, they're on 8-inch floppies, not even 3 and a half inch The Morning Blaze with Doc and Skip. Weekday mornings, 6 to 9 Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. Versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. I really hope today's show has given you some food for thought. Um, if it hasn't, or you think I've missed something out, get in touch, please. And um, I can only get better at what I do with feedback from you. Or I love engaging with you. I never see anything as even those who insult me or, um, you know, don't say nice things. I only get better when my arguments are tested. I want to spend the last few minutes of today's show talking to you about what I think this show needs to, I would like this show to help with, but also the priority in America. And this is my opinion. You might disagree. We need to understand the times we live in. Let me tell you the times I think we live in. I believe it is 1720 in America. And if you're a Christian, let me give you another another time it is. From a scriptural point of view, we're about at the Acts of the Apostles. Why do I say those two times? Did I just come up with these? No. I think we have to accept that the principles we believe in haven't been properly communicated in a very, very long time. I mean, don't no disrespect to people who do. There are a few great people. People like my boss, Glenn Beck, people like Mark Levin, people like Thomas Sowell, They do a fantastic job. I mean, there are a lot of people who, for many different reasons, whether it's just a simple don't believe in them, haven't been taught in them, care more about winning, or more about their own selfish needs, but we don't really communicate, or we haven't communicated our positions a lot over the last number of years. I think we need to start a blank slate and talk about freedom, the principles we believe in, the Constitution, as if they have never heard it before. We need to be like it's 1720 in America. Now, ideally, from a historical point of view, I wish the pulpits were awake. I would love to find a plan to help that happen. There are groups like the Black Rope Regiment who are doing incredible work, and I pray for them that they do. But if the pulpit won't do it, we have to. And we have to start laying the foundations of freedom. And I don't mean just talking about them and promoting them in different ways. 
but also living that life. We need to lay the groundwork. We need to start to go back to that Maggie Thatcher quote. We need to start winning the argument on the ground. And those arguments can't be about elections. Well, these are the principles they stand for. Vote Mitt Romney or vote. This that was the last election. Sorry, vote Donald Trump. No, our principles have to be pure. First, you win the argument, then you win the election. From a scriptural point of view, for those who listen who are Christians, it's the Acts of the Apostles. Jesus has just been crucified, came back to risen, and has gone up to heaven. When there, we have to be the disciples of freedom or disciples of Christ and go out and go out and spread the good news because there are many many people who live today like them who never heard of Jesus or who don't know about freedom this is so important for me because for one thing just one fact the amount of young people who are Bernie Sanders supporters we need to go out and talk to them because they are right on some of the problems that they see. Big business, cronyism, and, you know, friends for the, uh, jobs for the friends and jobs for the boys, government, cronyism. They are right about some of the problems. People getting ahead with unfair advantages. We all agree on those. Our solutions are different. Which leads me to one of the things we need to do. We need to work in education. We need to understand. We need to fight. There is a political fight. I'm not saying stop politics. I'm just saying maybe separate the two or, or just work separately on them. Education. There are people who are conservative, who are libertarian, who are liberal, who I think all have the wrong opinion of education. They think education equals school. It goes so much further than that. Education is about self-education. Giving your kids the tools, especially in the world we live in, all the innovation, all the internet. Hey, I want you to find out for yourself. I want to teach you not what to think, but how to think. How to discern good from bad, left from right. How to discern which is a good news source and which is a bad news source and how to find that out. And then set you on that journey of self-discovery to find out who you really are. We need education to be about interaction with parents. Interaction. I've said this so many times, but I firmly believe it. We have one of the greatest resources for education today. We don't use it. And that's our grandparents. I always say, you know, I'll give you a modern, because it's frightening this is a, a real-life example. Hey, I was in school today. I learned about 9-11, got all the figures, 3,000 people died, Twin Towers, the Pentagon, got all the figures. Tell me the story. What was it like to live during that? That's the, the era we live in. That's 15 years ago now. Tell me the fears. Tell me the emotions. Tell me why 9-12 was one of the greatest days in American history. That's just my opinion. Tell the stories. Our churches, our communities. And while we're talking about education, 
It's not all up to the teachers and to the priests. It's up to you as well. Whether you have kids, grandkids, nieces, nephews, talk to them about the Constitution. Get them to know their rights. Inspire a love. Don't shove it down their throat. You have to learn the Constitution. No. This is why tell inspirational stories about Washington. You know, America's history is so diverse. It's not a fairy tale. America's history is not, hey, some people woke up, they found real freedom, and they lived happily ever after. Nope. America's history is so rich and so diverse. Tell inspirational stories and tell them in a positive light about George Washington, about how he gave up everything and risked it all to live in freedom. Tell the story about the Battle of Trenton. Tell the story about James Madison, Thomas Jefferson. Tell the story about Ben Franklin and the pot belly stove. Tell the story and inspire people to read the Federalist Papers. Give the history about them. Tell the story of people who overcame huge advantages. Tell the story of Rosa Parks. Tell the story of Martin Luther King. Why he is Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. Tell the story of Bonhoeffer. Tell the story of Armstrong going onto the moon. Whether it's the story based on facts and figures, or if you're old enough and remember, tell how revolutionary that was. Tell the story of the Wright brothers and the first powered man flight. But don't just tell them how they did it, what they did. Tell them all the hassle and the pain and suffering they went through. Tell the story of Tesla. Tell the story of, even if you want to use modern day people, put the politics aside. Tell the story of Steve Jobs. We need to tell these stories of where good people can overcome and can make a huge difference to society. There are just a few of the famous ones. Tell the other less so famous ones. We need to inspire hope in ourselves, in our communities, but also for the future generations. And we need to do it with love. I want to finish today with a couple of last thoughts. Firstly, I want to give a big shout out to Louisiana. You want to talk about a political solution that helps America right now, that returns you to your founding document, that empowers not only the 10th Amendment, but is your founding fathers. Hey, we give you this. This is the breaking, breaking case of emergency. That is Article 5, the Convention of the States. Well, last week, Louisiana took a bill, a resolution, on whether they should have a Convention of the States, and it passed comfortably 62 to 36. They're the eighth state to do so. They joined the likes of Florida, Georgia, Alaska, Alabama, Tennessee, Indiana, and Oklahoma. You want to rein in the federal government? 
the convention of states in Article 5 is a great way of doing so. Now you're going to hear if you if you know about the convention of states, there's a great website. I think it's conventionofstates.com or .org. Uh, .com, I think. Um, and they're looking for volunteers. You know, spread the word. This is a very early process, but it is one that comes directly from your founding fathers. They're looking for people to do parties, to spread messages, to write letters to editors. So what is the Convention of States, in case you don't know? Well, your founding fathers in your document in Article 5 give you two ways to amend the Constitution, to have an amendment. The first one is the one that has always been used. And everyone, I was going to say everyone knows it, but maybe not today. It's when two-thirds of both houses of Congress come together and propose to vote on an amendment. And if two-thirds do that, it passes and congratulations, you have a new amendment to the Constitution. You have 27 of them right now. But there's a second way. It's never been used or not, never successfully been used. It's basically where two-thirds of the states can call, can call for a convention and propose a certain amendment. But they then need three-fourths of the states to pass such an amendment. If you want proof this is the breaking case of emergencies that the founders gave you, Thomas Jefferson once said, it is the article that corrects breaches of the Constitution. It can achieve pretty much anything. They vote on, um, they will have a vote to propose certain amendments. The Convention of the States websites, they highlight four different things, spending and debt, regulations, attacks on state sovereignty, and the federal takeover of decision-making. If you, you might have read another book, Mark Levin wrote a book, and he highlighted a, a few amendments he would like to see, including um, congressional term limits, uh, limits on the Supreme Court, um, linking spending to GDP and private property and protecting the vote. Now, I would encourage you all to do your research. I'm going to spend a show on this down the road. Um, but I want to address one fear. Because if you don't know about this process or you have heard about this process, you will have might have come across some mistruths about this. Hey, it's a runaway convention. It's a con-con. You know, they come up with these terms. It's a con-con. You'll hear plenty of these things. It is important to remember one thing. It will never happen. And here's why. In Congress, it took two-thirds to get an amendment passed. With this, it takes two-thirds of the states to propose an amendment to bring it to a vote. And then it takes three-quarters for the vote to pass. Let me put that into context. It takes 38 states to vote on an opposed amendment for it to pass. It only takes 13 to stop an amendment. Now you'll hear these, the spin that says, well, what they'll do is they'll propose an amendment, they'll vote and they'll meet, and then they'll discuss a load of items. Well, let me be quite blunt. They can discuss as many issues as they want. But two-thirds of the states have to come together to propose an actual amendment for it to be voted on. I can't tell you what they're going to discuss, but it doesn't matter. If two-thirds of the states 
don't say, yeah, I think this is a good proposed amendment. We're going to vote on it. It doesn't matter what they discuss. Please consider getting involved, learning more. This is the breaking case of emergency from your founding fathers. My second and last thought is simply this. I know many of you are down in America right now. I know many of you are hurting and are dejected, lost, don't know where to go. I'm going to be very blunt with you. I'm not going to sugarcoat this. You have two choices. You can either do something that has never been done in America before, that no generation has done, and that is lay down your sword, your shield, your principles, and just give up. And say, it's impossible. Or you can do something your history is so rich in. Of standing for what you all know is morally right. And standing for the principles you know. That you know. It's not you feel. It's not you think. It's not, well, I have this vision of America and it's wonderful. No, you know work. There is a reason America is the greatest country in the world. It's not because of, hey, we're America. Or, hey, we have this landmass called America and we're just naturally great. It's not because your people are more superior than anyone else. It is because you have unleashed your people. You've broken the bonds of slavery of an individual to their government. Your history, simply put, and I've said this many times, but your history, if I was to sum it up in a few short words, it's making the impossible possible. Yes, you do have problems right now. You have lots of problems right now. I can't tell you what the future holds if you stand and fight. I'd love to be able to say, yeah, America will be great again and you'll prosper like never before. I believe that will happen, but it's my belief. I can't tell you for sure. But I can tell you for certain, for guaranteed, write it to the bank. If you give up, America is over. That is the battle that we have individually. Where deep at night, late at night, when you're thinking, well, that's when I do my thinking. You have to keep fighting. You have to keep doing what is right. You have to keep standing for God, the Constitution, and giving the individual the dignity to pursue their own hopes, their dreams, their ambitions, and what makes them happy. But we also need to face it as a collective, where I'm feeling bad today. I'll help you help me and then tomorrow or the next day when you're feeling down I'll help you we need to inspire hope we need to get people dreaming again dreaming of a better tomorrow but dreaming is only dreaming at some point it takes action for dreams to become a reality
I'm not giving up. I'm taking a sidestep. This show is taking a sidestep from elections. I'm done. I'm going to start doing my utmost to make principled arguments that you can have that arm you, not to talk to your politicians, not to get someone elected, but to talk to your friends and your neighbors. Hey, this is why America is great. Hey, do you know the First Amendment? Hey, do you know about Article 5? Hey, do you know we shouldn't be using the term class? This is what Marx. Hey, do you know really about what Marxism was? Hey, do you know what statism is? Hey, do you know why the Second Amendment is important? I'm not saying you have to use my arguments. If you like it all, buy ahead, go ahead and use it all. If you like some of it and then twist it and make it into your own words, go for it. But I see my job as giving you that bit of hope. Because here's the thing, I'm going to leave you with this. And it's one simple, simple question. Imagine you have a magic wand. And you have all this power, you're God. And you can trade your future. You can trade America's future. You can say, hey, I don't want America's future. I, I want that future over there. What nation's future would you choose? What nation's future would you choose for you and your fellow people? America has problems. But because of your people, you are still the best nation in the world. That's not hype. That's fact. Believe it. Dream and innovate. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope this has given you some food for thought. And if anything, I hope it's given you a bit of a G up to be proud of your nation again. We will succeed. America will be great again. And it won't be due to an election result. It won't be due to who's in Congress or the White House. It won't be because of who's on the Supreme Court. It'll be because of each and every one of you acting and praying like it depends on God. As always, please consider subscribing, sharing with your friends and your family, commenting, sharing on Facebook, this show and this, this episode. As always, I finish every show as I always do, as my little tribute. I salute your heroes, your firefighters, your police, your emergency personnel, your vets. Most importantly, I salute you, the great American people. America is great. Because your people are good. Until next week, America, Godspeed. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network.